for the summer, this is the, this is the verse that, I, that we're going to have as sort of our theme, or these verses. It's, it's Romans 12, starting with verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're really going to focus in on that, be transformed. Because throughout the book of Romans, Paul is changing and transforming the way people think about things. The way people think about God, the way people think about faith, the way people think about themselves and how they relate to each other. It really is a seminal work in sort of turning inside out a lot of the beliefs and a lot of the things that people thought about themselves and about God. And so it's, it's, really, it's really an amazing, an amazing letter. So I'd like, I want to read, uh, read today from, um, from Romans chapter 5. So we're jumping in a little bit ahead, but I'll I'll go back and catch you up. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person. Someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read that last one again. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you've asked the question, God, why are you doing this to me? Why am I having to go through this. I've often heard people at the end of their life when they're struggling with health issues and maybe mental issues and they can't hear and they can't see and they can't walk around but they're still alive and they'll say, God, why are you doing this to me? What, What is the purpose of this? Suffering is one of those things that is just, it it's, it's really seems inexplicable to us because it, it doesn't jive with our thoughts about how life is supposed to be. I think we, we grow up thinking, well, we're not really supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to hurt. But it's this part and parcel of life, isn't it? I mean, I know every one of you, in some way, through something, whether you think it's a large thing or a small thing, has suffered. You've hurt. You've grieved. And maybe you've wondered, what is it for? What, what is it about? I mean, in ancient times, the, the, ancients had, the ancient people had, had, 
had an understanding of what was going on. The gods were mad at you. <laughs> That's why you were suffering. It was just that simple. You'd screwed up. You know? You'd done something wrong, and the gods were displeased with you, and so they were punishing you. I mean, even in the, in the, in the Old Testament, you'll hear a little bit about you know, how, how something is revisited on, on the family to the seventh generation. I mean, they, they, they just saw that, 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 that God or the gods, I really want to say it that way, because before, before, before the understanding of Yahweh and, and one God, there, there always were multiple gods, you know, that, they were, that they were angry with you. And so that's why you suffered. And so how you, how you placated God was you, you made sacrifices. You said the right prayers. You washed your hands the right way. You, you, you gave a part of your grain offering. You, you, you sacrificed animals. And I mean, in, in ancient times too, they often... Um, would sacrifice children. It was one of the things early on that Christians um, fought against, was that that was not right. There was actually some discussion in the early Christian church about children and what, and sacrifice. Because they were trying to please the gods, trying to make their life easier because the gods were in control of that and God was putting that on you as a punishment. But Paul here does something different. He switches it up. In the first five chapters of of the book of Romans, he he really begins talking about faith in relationship to works. Because in that kind of arrangement where where you've got to appease the gods, right, you have to do something. You've got to live right. You, you You have to make sacrifices. You have to physically do something to receive the benefits from that God. You can't just, you can't just be and, and receive the benefits from that God. To have a good harvest or whatever, you've got to, you've got to do something. You have, to, you have to put in the work. I mean, we still have that kind of what we call works righteousness today in our own lives. I mean, we, we, you know, we often say to people, well, you've got to work hard to earn something. Well, that might be true in relationship with that. And that's what people believed about God, is that you had to do works. And even in the Old Testament, you know, they would, they would talk about the works of the law, the works of the Torah, that you had to follow the Torah. You had to, you had to do the things, the first five books of the Bible, you had to do the things that were written there, and then that's, and you, receive, you would receive God's favor. And that's the way they understood it. And it was actually sort of a step forward, because in the Old Testament, it's very prescribed, the offerings that you would make for certain things to, to, to put you in a right relationship with God. Whereas with, with a lot of the other gods, there was no prescribing. It was just, if you, if, if you did your thing, gave your grain offering, and you had a bad harvest, you went back and gave double the next year because you, you were like, well, I don't know how much I'm supposed to give. I've just, I must not have given enough last year. I mean, it's a great stewardship campaign, right? <laughs> right? But Paul, in the first five chapters here, starts talking about faith in a very different way. He, start, he, he, he starts talking about the fact that Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, the one who went out from his homeland, as he was called out, went out from his homeland and was to, was to, was to become a new, you know, to start this new people, to bless all the other nations, that, I mean, he went out without any guarantee. God called him out and he went out without any guarantee. And, and Paul says that was reckoned to him as righteousness. It wasn't necessarily because of his works. It was because of his faith. 
And that's a different understanding. That God blesses us even while we are sinners. It's a different understanding. And so that's why Paul starts here. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, not by works of the law, we have peace with God. Because just imagine, just imagine in that relationship of of sacrifice and offering and doing works, even if you're pretty sure, you're not ever really sure that you've done enough. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, through whom we have obtained access to the grace in which we stand. That Jesus is the, is the mediator of God's grace to us. That in Jesus, Paul's trying to say, we see God, we understand, and we have access, direct access to God. We don't have to do all this other stuff anymore. We don't have to make these sacrifices. In that same way, Jesus is the one who mediates for us. We have access to the grace of God directly through Christ. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And Paul will write about this a lot, that that we we have access to the grace, that we're living in it now, but that there's more to come. There's always sort of a now and a not yet, that we're living in it and we can live into it, but there's a not yet, that there's, there's going to be a, 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 the fullest revelation is going to come when Jesus returns in the second coming. That's, that's Paul writes about that in here, about that we're, you know, we, we have access to that grace now, we're living in, in, and we can see the kingdom now, the kingdom is among us, as Jesus would say, but there's going to be a fuller revelation later. And so we can boast We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, the complete glory of God. And then he goes on, and this is what I love, and not only that, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. What? We also boast in our sufferings. Wow. I wonder what the the people in Rome, when they first received this letter, thought about that. And we don't know for sure how, if they were being persecuted for for being followers of the way at this time. I'm not really sure. I didn't dig into that history. But we know that early Christians were were greatly persecuted because they, they, it's funny, they, they were seen as atheists because they only believed in one God. It's really sort of funny. And of course they were persecuted and killed because they wouldn't, they wouldn't bow down to Caesar and they wouldn't you know, do this and they were tortured and they were thrown in the lion's den and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And they were used for sport. And so you know, that, that kind of suffering was going on, but just the other kind of suffering that happens in our lives, that we, we boast in our sufferings. And here's where he turns it. Because... He changes the purpose of suffering. Because up until that time, as I said before, the purpose of suffering was you were being punished. You did something wrong. You were bad. (laughs) Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. 
that there's a meaning in suffering, not that we would choose it, not that we would enter into suffering just to suffer so that we can, you know, develop more character. <laughs> but to me, there is some comfort then when, when I see people suffering, when I, when, I, when I work with them, when I meet with them, and even when I'm going through it myself, that, that if I can get myself in a different frame of mind, if I can reflect on this, I can go, you know what, there's, there's something else going on here. Yes, this hurts, and you don't ever deny that. This is not to make light of suffering. This is not to say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's all for the good, so just get, you know, just go through it. Well, that's not it. No, we, I mean. But that there is something else going on here. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's really interesting here. This is a very Trinitarian little passage. Because you've got Jesus the Son, you've got God the Father, and you have the Holy Spirit all here working in and through the suffering to transform it and change it and to make it into something else. To transform us and to transform suffering into hope. Because so often suffering takes away our hope. It dashes our hopes. But Paul is saying that's not right. That suffering can be transformed into hope. Because of the grace that's been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And why is that? And what it, when he, goes on, he goes on to say, because it's while we were still weak, while we were still sinners... That Christ died for us. God didn't wait till we got our act together. Clearly, in my case, I don't know about yours, but clearly, in my case, God didn't wait till I got my act together in order to show that grace to me, to you, to us, to, to, the, to the entire world. While we were yet sinners. And Paul goes on, it's just something that, that we know. I mean, most people would not, die, would not die for an ungodly or an unrighteous or, an, or a not good person. Most of us would not put our life on the line for a not good person. We might do it for somebody that we like. Maybe. I don't know. But Jesus gave his life for us while we were yet in estrangement from God in order to pour out on us this grace that then transforms everything about us, transforms our hearts, transforms our mind, brings us into a very different way of being, a different way of seeing. It gets us out of ourselves so that even in our suffering, it can produce hope. Which was a foreign concept then and probably a foreign concept now. And hope does not disappoint. We live in the hope of that transformation. That has already been, we believe, completed in Jesus Christ. That we have access to now. That we can live into right here and now as we live into the kingdom that is present and among us. We have access to that now. Hope does not disappoint because we can live into that now and we know that there's going to be a fuller revelation at some point in time. And so we put our trust and we follow the one who has gone down that road ahead of us. 
to the cross, and then to his glory. And so today, I, I hope that as you've listened to this, that perhaps maybe a little bit of your thinking has been shifted. Maybe God has just opened up a little crack in your mind so that you might be transformed, that your suffering might be transformed into hope. May it be so with you. Amen.